0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nevermind the Gap. This is a podcast that explores the gaps between where we are in life, where we think we should be, and of course, the tools and techniques to bridge those gaps. I am Carmen Kadir, a Dr. Sciences board-certified coach in healthcare, academic medicine, and higher education institutions.
1: And I'm Lindsay Hanari, an MBA and ICF professionally certified coach helping executives and organizations reach their leadership, talent development, and performance goals. In today's episode, we revisit the succession gap. It was our most popular episode by far of 2023, and we realized we have a lot more to say about it. (laughs) We do. You know, and I think it comes back to, you know, what we see in our coaching and consulting engagements, but it comes back to that there are distinct trends colliding. You know, the retirement or lack of retirement of the boomers and some Gen X, uh, new workplace realities from the COVID pandemic, especially as it relates to hybrid and remote work, and generational differences in attitudes towards work and boundaries. And where we see this in our work is leaders who feel that the younger generation is not prepared or capable of taking the reins. Um, you know, in this attitude of, but you don't resent the company or you don't look or act like me. So I'm not ready to hand over the reins. And at the same time, you know, there are more 65-year-olds in the workplace than ever before. Um, some, you know, they don't want to retire.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: some have to continue to work. You know, lack of pensions, you know, the cost of living as you age is exponential. Um and, and there's just a lot going on of miscommunication. And at the same time, there's, there's real ageism, right? You know, someone brought so much value to the organization, um, may feel not needed as much anymore, um, especially given the new technologies and realities. So, you know, with this sense of not feeling... As secure or more vulnerable, they might be reluctant to share a seed power.
0: What are you seeing in your world? I think everything you just said is is definitely true. In my world, it's, you know, and I cover predominantly healthcare systems and academic medicine settings. And what I see is that the people that are usually the leaders in the divisions or departments or even those that are leading the organization, They have worked their way up internally, but they've created something to a whole different level. Um, and they're just not ready to let go. It's it's, they're not ready to let go. They don't know the power of letting go. And to your point, when you look at generation Z, those that were born between 95 and 2009, they feel like they were trained differently um the way that they were exposed to you know healthcare operations or healthcare financials was totally different the work ethics they believe are different um and so i, I think that those existent current leaders in the healthcare space feel like they have more to give and they should put in more time until they're able to identify this magical person <laughs> That is a exact copy and paste of who they are. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think technology really scares them away. It's more, you know, it's a new challenge and they take it on. And so they, they're they just not wanting to step down. Um, I wanna dive a little bit into what I just said with gener- Generation Alpha, which is the newer generation, those that were born after 2010, and the one that we're seeing Coming out into the workforce is, and and I know you can expand on this too a little bit. Is that they have come up in a world around technology, so how they access information, and and the output that they give in work settings for them is different. It it's easier to access. It's it's totally different. Um, they are used to you know looking up things really quickly. Um, they are problem fixers. A lot of them are doers, in my opinion, especially in the healthcare space. They, some of them struggle with the thinking aspect, right? The thinkers versus the mm-hmm. doers. And I have noticed that. And so I think th- when you talked about the generation gaps, I do think that there definitely is a, a, a substantial difference in generations between the way we all came up before technology and computers and definitely cell phones versus them, that generation Alpha and even the previous generation, which is Generation Z, where they've had more access to information. And I do think that some of that has played into what's going on. Absolutely.
1: I and mean, you hit the nail on the head. You know, how generations, different generations, receive information, access information, and communicate information is very, very different. Um, And this idea of pausing to think, and I would also say technology has made it so that we are always on. Remember, it used to be doctors on call. (laughs) I do. You know, with a beeper or a pager or what have you, they were always on call. Well, now all of us are on call all the time especially in academic medicine, where you've got clinical responsibilities, you've got teaching responsibilities, you've got research responsibilities, you've got presentation responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge information load. And I think, you know, it's just occurring to be now, um, maybe the younger brains, in order to process everything all the time from all directions, Mm -hmm. it is possibly more surface oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up My training was actually in policy analysis, you know, original source documents Mm -hmm. um, and really having to go to the source, not just taking whatever pops up on my feed. Um, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, you come from the world of medicine and academic medicine. I come from the world of finance and consulting Mm -hmm. 80 to 100 hour work weeks were par for the course. And I love what you said that, you know, the newer generations think we're nuts they and <laughs> they've set boundaries and we're, I'm clearly Gen X. Um, and boomers think that boundaries are, ex, you know, Oh, that's excessive because quite frankly, we didn't have boundaries growing up. We just did it. But I don't think we were on all the time as much as, current work realities are.
0: I actually love what you said about how that that we're all on call all the time. That's the perfect way to say that and to describe it. I I see people that, and you see this everywhere. I mean, I'm sure all listeners will relate. You know, you can be anywhere. Parents can be in carline and they're on their phones. Um, They can be at their kids' extracurricular activities and they're on their phones. They're at dinner and the phones are going off. So to your point about boundaries, there are no boundaries because technology has come in and it sort of has flushed out those very distinct lines. And I, I, I think that because we didn't have technology and the boomers didn't, they were set boundaries, you know, and to their defense, I guess, boundaries are good. Healthy boundaries are really good. Um, but we weren't, we weren't allowed to have
1: boundaries growing up you know, MBA world, you know, getting a job on Wall Street, right. you're in, oh my God, you know, medicine and academic medicine and being a doctor scientist, you know, you, you, you took it. So on the one hand, it was work related and it was intense, right? So we knew that there wasn't this trade-off or mm-hmm. there was this trade-off, excuse me. And we gave it up for the fields that we wanted to go into. I think because of that 80 to 100 hours now, plus all of the paperwork, Mm -hmm. all of the administration, that 80 to 100 hours is even more intense. Mm -hmm. And the younger generations are like boundaries, mental health. And, you know, I'll sometimes, you know, roll my eyes, but it's, There needs to be some needs. I don't like need and should. Um, It would be great if there were opportunities Mm -hmm. for each generation to sit down and shift from, oh, we're so different to, well, what is the value that each generation brings? Um, Because I think there is this tendency of, you know, say, Gen Z. You know, those just out of college Mm -hmm. or out of school who don't like the systems that they see and they chafe and why isn't my voice heard and why is this like this and why doesn't it change? And they get very, they'll put up their boundaries or they'll exhaust themselves emotionally fighting against or resisting a system. And then you've got the older generation going, there's a lot of institutional knowledge and there's nuance, and there's things that you're gonna know only through experience. And it's not that I don't want to change or I can't change. Here are the things that keep us as a going concern. And you sort of like a barbell. Mm -hmm. And just rather saying, oh, you're so different, or looking at in a
0: negative light, what's the value? That each generation brings. I agree. I, I love have you said that. And and the boundaries I was referring to that um, the boomers had before were explicit work and personal life, but different type of boundaries. Meaning you're here for eighty to one hundred hours. You're going to give eighty to one hundred hours. Those are the boundaries. The boundaries now uh, with the newer generation is more wellness boundaries. I'm not going to work 80 hours. It's going to look more like, you know, the regular 40 hours. And the wellness approach is important for me to have a sense of um, wellness and self-care and to have that work-life alignment that we talk about. But the value that you're talking about that each generation brings, I think is around that. What both of them see as their operating value system. And I've said this before, everyone sort of operates from some level of value system. The boomers like the hard work and the boundaries between these are the hours you have to put in so that we're successful. And the newer generations wants more of that work life alignment, but they still want to be able to be stretched and professionally developed. So you can mix both value systems to where the work is still very effective and efficient and we are utilizing the right tools out there you know there's coaches like you and I that can help and come in and serve and help serve institutions and teams and leaders on how to do it um so that systems are still operating really well but it's well balanced and i think that's where the shift has to be is looking at a balanced system, because you're right, the newer generation sees the system as the the system is crazy. It Uh, is. (laughs) It it is. And and I'm not sure that I want to be a part of this for whatever reasons. So that's the jumping that we've seen. They're jumping from one thing to the next uh, because they just can't, they cannot find themselves to be committed to a system that doesn't honor their value system. Mm -hmm. So, I think that, um, there are some specifics around and tying this back to secession planning on how you can help identify what are some of the strengths that the newer generation brings and how can they continue to grow the current system to make it better for everyone that is around a more innovative system, a more well-balanced system that integrates wellness. You know, how do you identify those individuals that still brings that uniqueness to the table as we're getting deeper in the 21st century and technology keeps expanding? But then at the same time, we're finding those very committed and grounded individuals that have the hard skill sets around the business operations and the financial operations, and then a mix of soft skills as well. They can communicate. they know how to form teams, there's team engagement. there's a positive culture within the organization. So how can leaders who are listening to this conversation identify those individuals that brings you know those talents and those attributes to the table? And certainly
1: there's more value in training someone else sooner than later, um, otherwise you end up, you know, why do people leave. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they get paid more by leaving or they don't feel that they're growing where they are. And as you said, or we both said, see issues and want no part of it or want to form their own organizations. It's it's finding that balance of what can I start handing off? And it becomes maybe a shift from, you know, I don't trust or I can't identify People who look like me um, in terms of my work ethic and skill sets, well, and so I'm going to maintain control, is, well, what legacy do you want to leave?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you, as you said, it's not just identify, but develop. And you know, a question to ask, too, before we get into some solutions is, are roles so complex now? That we're asking anyone who raises their hand to step into that, you know, basically to make the trade-offs, you know, a stay-at-home spouse, you know, someone who pulls away from their career. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, what is the system doing to support better those individuals who do raise their hand? Right.
0: Um, I I think... And, and, and so there's two things. One, you're bringing up the system and I think the system can help prepare themselves for an outgoing executive or leader and prep themselves for an emergent leader to come in, maybe by doing a couple of things, you know, making sure that the role has clarity around it. What are the actual mm-hmm. tasks and responsibilities that this emergent leader has to be able to run with the ball with? Um, tying up the mission statement, right? and search for an emergent leader that displays those attributes and is aligned with the mission. Um I think having a handbook is a great idea. I actually have a client. she's incredible if she's if she's listening in, but um she's incredible because this idea of creating a handbook for the incoming leader that's going to be a part of succeeding her when she exits, it's huge. And it literally is a handbook about different parts of the operations of the division. On top of that, it includes policies and you know standard procedures and stuff like that. Um, it's little rescue guys when certain things come up. I mean, she's thought about everything and you don't have to make it that extensive. But my point is to have a handbook, Created for the, and it may provide a sense of peace for the outgoing leader, right? To know that at least you're leaving this tangible resource for someone to have in the event they don't know how to handle something. Um, And then what's important is she has identified target groups of people and she's worked with them already. So she is mentoring them, she is exposing them to the work, which is crucial. You cannot expect someone to walk into the job and be successful at it if they have not had some sort of preview of what they're going to be dealing with. So you also want to give them a taste of that preview to even see if they really are still interested in taking over that position, right? If it is someone internal, um, go ahead. Yeah. In prepping for
1: this, you had asked me, you know, what happens in the corporate world? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens in the corporate world is you're rotated through various assignments various departments and divisions usually for a couple of years and it's funny because i coach people who and usually it's the high potentials mm-hmm. so what are the it's like a it's like doing rotation in medical training right it's exactly what it is it's usually the larger the corporation usually for a couple of years so that you really get to learn mm-hmm. that area. Frustrating as hell for the directors and subject matter experts. Um, I've got a colleague who is the director of innovation and he reports to a guy who comes from finance. Well, finance is everything about cost and investment in ROI. And the innovation person said, you can't, you can't, tamp down on all of these factors for innovation. And it it's, right. so you get a lot of the subject matter experts butting heads with people who've been elevated to, identified and elevated to future senior leadership roles. Um, and it's not like, oh, in two years, then you're going to be made. No, you do this for a couple of years in finance, and you do this department for a couple of years, and you do corporate, and you do line, and you do all of these things. So I'm as I'm talking about this, I almost wonder for academic medical centers, rather than piling on additional responsibilities for individuals mm-hmm. until they're, you know, it breaks their back, it's just too much of a weight to carry in terms of how much they're being asked to do, what if you took, not took away, but lifted the responsibilities of some things and say, okay, now it's time for the next couple of years to work on this.
0: Mm -hmm. And then the next couple of years and do that rotation. I, I agree. I think it would be fascinating. I think that some of the issues, at least in academic medicine, that comes to mind for me is that they are spread so thin, right? They have clinical responsibilities, teaching responsibilities, research responsibilities. So they have to go out there as well and find, you know grants to support them, to support their division, support themselves as well. So it's, it's just, they're wearing so many hats around the clinical, the research, and then the academic part, teaching the trainees, you know, the residents, the fellows, even the medical students. So I think that it can be challenging for them to do very long-term rotations, what you're saying, at least in the finance world, sounds amazing to be able to be exposed to each area or facet of the leadership role for two years each, you know, do this and do that. But, you know, you're, you're assigned to this specific area for two years and this specific area for another two. In medicine, I've, my sense and my thought is that it has to be a little bit quicker than that mm-hmm. to have someone that you can mentor for those leaders that are out there in academic medicine, someone that you can mentor for a total of two years. And do let's say a six months around research and funding opportunities. Mm-hmm. Another six months around, you know, the educational development piece. What else do you want to bring to the residency program or the fellowship program? You know, what are the gaps? What are other um, very important services or programs that you can add to the education piece? And then, of course, the clinical side. Uh, w- Exposing them maybe six months or up to a year in terms of the clinical responsibilities, you know, how to oversee the specific unit, the outpatient clinics, the inpatient clinics, if you are going to going to be a leader that's not just at one location and it's multi, you know, multi-locations, then do rotations around the multiple locations as well. So if it's not just a flagship hospital, but it happens to be um you know a hospital different hospitals out in the greater city region then also spending time in those hospitals as well so i think the timing has to be a little bit more condensed but i agree to your point there is value in being exposed to those different areas of the leadership role and the areas that you are going to be managing operational wise and then people managing right and so you have to contribute that amount of time um, And then for those I just wanted to add that are interested. So we've talked about from the system level or the current leaders that are on their way out and need someone to succeed them. I wanted to flip it on those emerging leaders that are also interested. First, to ask yourself if you're not putting your hand up, why are you not? You know, what is holding you back from raising your hand and saying, I know that I'm very competent for the job. I'm very hardworking. What may look like your 100 hours may look like 80 hours to me, but I still have very good time management skills. And I know how to manage my energy that maybe what you're doing in one, in 100 hours, I can do it in 80 or maybe what you're doing in 80, I can do in 60. Mm -hmm. Just looking at that very objectively and saying, I can still get the work done and be very successful at this. But if you're not raising your hand, really asking yourself why you're not. And then also going diving into the skills, what skills do you possess that are unique and how would you cultivate these into your new leadership role? So I think that's an important question. Um, a level of confidence is a big deal too. You know, are you confident enough that you would make the right decisions? So when it comes down to decision-making, when if you were to be placed in this leadership role, you know, could you go through a step process where you could do maybe a risk analysis? You know, do you have some of that background trainer? Could you look on how to maybe expand some of those hard skill sets so that you can put that in your toolbox? And then when you are in a leadership position, decision making becomes easier. So Mm -hmm. identifying what the gaps are within the hard skill sets and then going after some of that training piece so that you can solidify it and add it to your toolbox
1: right and i think there needs to be a recognition that you know what does what is that person allowed to take their foot off the gas on so that they can take on you know this new learning and development opportunity and i think it's also looking at the leaders themselves who want to develop mm-hmm. succession planning you know who could potentially take on your role again as you said how could you better prepare them for it? What is on their plate that wasn't on yours when you came up?
0: Right? Right. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think that one of the things that also comes to mind is that every leader is different and every leader brings something very unique to the table their leadership style is very different. And they may, you know, the current leader may be very effective in terms of making sure that the division, the department, or even the system as a whole is being successful. But you may bring it from a different angle. Um, You may definitely bring it from a different angle and still create the same success and continue to enhance the program. So we have to embrace, going back to the generation conversation, we have to embrace what the newer generations are bringing. And I'm a big advocate for this generation Z and generation alpha are bringing very unique skills to the table and you have to embrace what they are so that you can utilize them to make organizations successful and not to be afraid to do it because you're coming in from a different angle. That's my point.
1: Yeah. And, and to tie this up and, and to, take the point you just made it's identifying those in Gen Z and Gen Alpha who are open-minded enough to understand i may not agree with everything the way things are but are open-minded to learning how to work within the system as well as you know wanting to make changes to that system so it's the open-mindedness on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, who has the growth mentality? Who's open-minded? Um, who's open to understanding the value of why things are done a certain way? doesn't mean that you want them to replicate it exactly, but it's being open to their ideas as well.
0: Right. I I, I love that summary. So, you know, I think this was a very powerful... Podcast episode, because Lindsay was right, you know we get data analytics on which episodes are the hottest ones, and obviously all of them are really popular. but this one was the one that we saw just a huge sort of demand in terms of people accessing the podcast and downloading it and and probably replaying it more than one time. We are in the twenty first century and leadership in leadership roles in general, it's evolving, right? And I think it's important for us to hold on to the core of what makes things successful, but to not be, to Lindsay's point, closed-minded to what could be. So we hope that this episode has provided some sort of you know, coaching tips and just deeper thinking around succession planning. We thank you guys for connecting with us today. Just be sure to connect with us on all of our podcasting platforms that we have out there. And of course, Lindsay and I would love to hear from you. So at the bottom of the show notes, we always have our email address and our website, and we would love to connect with you. So thank you again for being with us here today. Thanks everyone. Until next time.